So scripture reveals to us uh, a number of different things. Um, but there's one big theme in scripture that it, it's constantly kind of revealing itself. And I think it's a theme that, that we can still see today in our world. Um, even though we're not in scriptural times, right? I think the theme that, that is maybe most prevalent in, in this, the Bible is a theme that's most prevalent in our lives. And the theme is, is this, that God wants to be God, right? That he wants to be the Lord over everything. And that man and woman insist on rebelling against him. This is, this is maybe the, the great theme of scripture, that, that God in his goodness, in his generosity, in his glory, his majesty, his magnificence, he wants, like he recognizes that he is supreme, that he is far superior, not even really worth comparing with humans, right? Because he creates humans, right? So he has, he has absolute power over them. And in his absolute power and authority over the humans, he wants to provide for them. To, to be generous with them, to give them everything that they need so that they can like not only flourish, but St. Peter says, so that the human person can become like God, to share in his own glory and excellence, St. Peter says. Right, so to think about that for a minute, that you, a human person, are made by God to become like him. Right? This is what God wants for us, for each one of us. Not, not necessarily for us corporately, although there is something to that, but it's like more than anything, Scripture reveals to us that God is always focused on individual people. So it's for you individually that God wants to provide everything so that you can become like him. This is who he is. And what's more, it's, it's who you are, that you individually, each one of us, is so incredibly valuable and important and loved by God that this is what he wants for us. But the trick is, or, or maybe the, the problem, is that we have this insistence on rebelling against him, right? Because for us to receive all of his promises and all of his grace, we have to recognize and allow him to have that authority over us. And we, human beings, don't like it when people have authority over us because it means they get to tell us what to do, right? It, it means that I have to recognize that by myself, I'm not sufficient. I can't, by myself, I can't make myself like God. Right? And so this is, this is the thing, is that we, the human person, are so small. And yet we insist on thinking of ourselves to be so great. But it's, it's the Lord who is actually, he's, like, he's attracted to our smallness. Because he recognizes in our smallness that he has to care for us. 
That he has, like, he's made promises to us and he has to care for us and fulfill those promises in our smallness. But when we insist on becoming great, right, it's like, it's like we're closing ourselves off to receiving his care and his love. Right? I think of this scene in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, right? So when, when the people sort of all get together and they say to themselves, let us make a name for ourselves, And so they begin to build this tower, hoping that the tower will reveal how great they are, right? Which is the exact opposite of what God wants of us, that that he wants of us to recognize our smallness, right? So uh, I was thinking of this because in our first reading, right, thus says the Lord, you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too small to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old. And then it says, he shall stand firm and shepherd his flock by the strength of the Lord in the majestic name of the Lord his God. Right? So it's, it's the Lord is, is calling out to Bethlehem, this tiny town at the time of, at the, time of the prophet Micah, this tiny town that seemed like insignificant and not worth much. And yet it's because this town is so small that the Lord can then reveal his power and his greatness. Right? This town on its own could never say, well, yeah, of course we're going to raise up the ruler, the, the great Messiah. Right? That's, we're just, we're so great. Of course the Messiah is going to come from us. No, but instead it's like, we're too small. We're insignificant, and yet it's in the insignificance that the Lord then can be powerful, right? And so it's by the strength of the Lord, right? And we know this, that Bethlehem is, of course, the birthplace of Jesus, but it's also the birthplace of King David, right? So it's, it's like the Lord is constantly going back to these places that are small and seemingly insignificant, so that in the smallness and in the insignificance, he can work through his power and reveal his glory and his goodness. Right? So, so this is, I think, the, the ultimate lesson, right, is, is like that we are small and that being small is not a bad thing. It can seem bad, right? Because our tendency is to want to make a name for ourselves. Our tendency is to want to become great, to become famous. Among, uh, among young people today, they have this, this term, Instagram famous, where on social media, Instagram, they, they try to you know, be like these great influencers and they try to put the best pictures and they try to attract the most attention so that people can come to know who they are all through this, this social media so that they can become Instagram famous, right? Because they want to be great in the eyes of the world, right? And we, we can do the same thing. I know for, for a, lot of, a lot of us who are grandparents, Right? There can sometimes be a competition among the grandparents to see who can give their grandchildren the best gifts so that the grandchildren love them the most. Right? Our, our tendency uh, is, is that we want to be great. We want to be known. We want to be loved the most by other people. But when we do that, when we approach life in that perspective, then we're actually in a lot of ways, closing ourselves off from receiving the power of God. 
And so even if we actually do become great in the world, there's, there's something about that that actually can make us less in the eyes of God. Right? We can reverse our priorities. The priority for us is always, of course, to focus on eternity, to be great in the eyes of God. But we can't be great in the eyes of God if we are becoming great in the eyes of the world. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work out that, you know, the more worldly we become, well then, you know, God's going to love me too. No, it's actually the more worldly we become, the more separated we become from God. And then his power can't go to work in us. There's something beautiful about living the hidden life, the life that is just simple and faithful and obedient to the authority of God. I'm thinking also of uh, the, the beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize that everything they have is a gift from God. Even their very life's breath, that every breath I take is a gift from God. And so I need to be so grateful to him and recognize not how great I am, but how great he is. And to recognize that the, the smaller I become in the eyes of the world, then that opens up for me a world of possibilities of becoming greater and greater in the eyes of God. Right, this scene in, in the visitation, Mary has just been told by the angel that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah. Right, we might say one of the most, if not the most important person who's ever lived, the greatest person who's ever lived. And yet, what's the first thing that she does? As the mother of the Messiah, the first thing she does is she goes on this long, arduous journey to care for her cousin, who in her old age has just conceived a child of her own. Right? Mary's first action as the mother of the Messiah is to go in service to care for other people. Right? Her first act is to not reveal how great she is, but instead it's actually to make herself smaller, to be more humble in the eyes of the world by going and serving. Now sure, Elizabeth and, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, recognizes her greatness and recognizes the glory that is, that is hers and that is her child's. But that's not her doing, right? She's, her intention is to go and serve, to be small in the eyes of the world. This, brothers and sisters, is, is ultimately what our invitation from the Lord is. Not to become great, not to become famous, not to become known as the best, but in fact, to become small, to be humble and obedient, seeking not my will, insisting not on my ways and my thoughts as though I know better than God, but rather to say, Lord, you're so much greater than I am. And your perspective on life is so much greater than mine. And so I just want to, I want to submit myself, willingly submit myself, Father, to your rule. I want to submit myself 
to your authority so that whatever you say, I'm ready to submit and I'm ready to be small. So that as I become smaller and smaller, your power can become stronger and stronger in my life. This is a great challenge. It's easy to say these things when we're talking about things that we agree with. The great challenge is what happens when we run into a law of God that we disagree with or that we don't like. Right? So it's in these moments when we're talking about these things in a more sort of abstract way that we can set our hearts, set our minds, and set our wills to say, even when I run into those things that God teaches that I don't like or that I disagree with, even in those situations, I'm ready to submit myself to him in humility, in obedience, in smallness to him, recognizing that everything I have comes from him. And so I just want to give it over to him and let him be God.